0: You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all.
1: Today's scripture is taken from Mark 13, verses 32 through 37. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge and each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockscrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Hey, Sarah. Hey, good morning, Allie. It is really cool to be
2: doing this series with you. Our churches have always been so close and so similar, and we've been able to take advantage of that a couple times before. We've done a pulpit swap here and there. And now these unprecedented times have opened up this new way for us to partner in ministry.
0: It's a nice surprise to discover this hidden blessing. We've had so many challenges with online virtual worship and the opportunity to collaborate with you has been really fun. I'll admit that when it came to planning Advent this year, I was really sad because I was so excited for all the normal things I love about the season, about the music and the decorations, and it's not gonna be the same this year.
2: Yeah, I love the whole feeling of the season. Um, I especially love the stories that we get to tell during it. What's your favorite Advent scripture, Sarah?
0: I think in the Gospels, when they quote the prophet Isaiah, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. That scripture just really captures my imagination. What's your favorite Advent scripture?
2: I think mine would have to be the
0: Magnificat,
2: the song that Mary sings when she's pregnant with Jesus about how God is turning everything upside down. How about this passage that we just heard from Mark 13, though? Have you ever heard anyone say that that was their favorite Advent scripture?
0: (laughs) Definitely not. In fact, it's kind of weird to hear this apocalyptic reading during a season when we're thinking about hope, love, joy, and peace. But this scripture is in the lectionary. So that means for churches who follow the three year cycle of lectionary scripture readings that every year on the first Sunday of Advent, they're going to hear some version of this story, whether it's from Mark 13 or Luke 21 or Matthew 24. So some committee of scholars thought it made sense for the church to hear every year about an Advent apocalypse
2: It is kind of weird, and it's easy to forget, I think, that there is a reason that it's tradition to hear these texts in this season. I have always loved this season leading up to Christmas, but growing up, as I began to learn more about Advent and how it was a season of waiting and expectation for the birth of Jesus, there was something that just didn't quite add up there for me. Because Jesus was already born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. So what does it mean to wait for something that already happened? What does it mean to expect something that is already a done deal? And yes, there's value to living out this waiting and expecting and to telling the story of the birth of Christ year after year. But it began to feel like I was missing something. Fleming Rutledge, who is the author of a book about Advent that I've been reading, said, For many years, I thought that during Advent, one was supposed to pretend that Jesus hadn't been born so that we would be more excited when Jesus came. And I guess I thought that too. I was in college when I learned that Advent isn't only about waiting for the birth of that baby in the manger in Bethlehem. It's also about waiting for the second coming of Christ. Advent is the season that teaches us what it means to wait for and expect this thing that hasn't happened yet.
0: You know, that's really helpful to remember that when we talk about waiting in Advent, it's not about just pretending that the baby Jesus hasn't been born yet, but we are actually waiting for something that hasn't happened. I've got to admit, though, when we start talking about this end of the age we live in, sometimes I can get a little uncomfortable because we don't usually talk much about the second coming in our mainline Methodist tradition.
2: That's true. Of course, in our churches, we all come from lots of different places and lots of different traditions. So some of us may be more comfortable talking in these terms than others. But on the whole, we really don't tend to get too apocalyptic in mainline Protestantism. I think we're scared of sounding too out there, like those
0: street preachers always going on about the end of the world. Exactly. During Advent, I am usually much more comfortable talking about the angels who appear to Mary and Joseph that it's really feeling new and different for me to think about the angels mentioned in the text today from Mark 13. As I did some research, I learned that Jesus was talking to his disciples in one of his many attempts to prepare them for the future that would follow his death and resurrection. At the beginning of the chapter 13, Jesus is teaching in the temple in Jerusalem. His disciples are with him, and they are very impressed by the setting. After all, they believed that this was the place to go to enter into God's presence. But Jesus knows that one day, this physical temple will fall away. And when that happens, it could cause a crisis of faith. Because what happens when people expect to find God in a place, and then that place disappears? Where do you go to find God then? The entire chapter that takes place in Mark's gospel is happening just before the Passion narrative, which tells the story of Jesus's death and resurrection. He knew that his disciples were about to have their whole world thrown upside down by those events, and he tried his best to prepare them. When the world as we know it comes to an end, it is so easy to feel confused and possibly lured away from the truth by false messiahs and false prophets. So Jesus warns them of what is to come, both the fall of the temple in Jerusalem and also what is to come at the end of time when it seems like the whole world is ending. This text can feel a little scary to think about what it means in those days. But it also can simply be confusing, because on the one hand, it seems like Mark is telling the listener to expect for this time to happen any time, any moment, be ready. And on the other hand, it could be read like Mark is emphasizing perseverance through hardship of this life, because this end is not going to happen tomorrow. So our text doesn't give us a clear indication if the second coming of Christ will happen in a minute or in a million years. When I was a kid, I remember seeing cars with lots of different bumper stickers, and the ones that always caught my attention were the ones with a warning, letting people know that in case of rapture, this car will become driverless. While that bumper sticker points to a theological understanding outside of our tradition, the idea of the raptured saved and the unsaved being left behind, it does remind me that there is a value to remembering that Christ has promised to return to this earth again. And I think in this season of Advent, it gives us a chance To not just look to the past events in Bethlehem, but to turn our focus towards the future that God has promised.
2: There's a reason, I think, that a lot of us don't usually want to focus on that future. For one thing, it just seems really far away. Most of the New Testament writers seem to have taken Jesus' words as meaning that he's going to come back any day now. But at this point, Jesus hasn't come back in 2,000 years. So why should we think it's going to be tomorrow? People are always trying to guess and predict these things, but so far they haven't been right. The other thing is, maybe I don't necessarily want Jesus to come back and usher in the end of the age. I mean this age is okay, right? This year itself has been a little rough. But in general, I want to work and enjoy life with my family and my friends. I want to write a book someday. I want to visit Argentina. I want to spend summer vacations at the beach with my kids. So I guess you could say, I want Jesus to come back someday, but not too soon. I have plans. In other words, I think I've gotten a little bit complacent.
0: I can understand feeling complacent. I think 2020 knocked a lot of us out of that sense of complacency. And so I can imagine that for someone whose life is constantly filled with hardships, that this text would bring a real comfort. There is powerful hope in this text to folks experiencing their world falling apart or when it feels like the world is always on fire.
2: Yeah. In a lot of ways, this whole year has felt kind of like the apocalypse, hasn't it? We've been on lockdown hiding out from a potentially deadly disease. We've seen pictures of makeshift morgues and hospital parking lots. We've gone long stretches of time without seeing other people. We've heard the continual reports of violence targeting people of color and the mass protests that have followed. And of course, it feels a lot of the time like our country is on the verge of a complete breakdown along party lines. I agree that maybe one of the unexpected gifts of this year is that it has done something to shake us out of our complacency. Nothing in 2020 is how it should be, and we need a reason to believe that it won't always be like this. And so when I pray, come Lord Jesus, this year, I mean it. (laughs) Come and make this better. Come and defeat the evil of this plague. Come and give life back to those bodies in the hospital parking lot. Come and judge our racist acts and grant justice to those who have been oppressed. Come and turn things over and heal our wounds as a people. 2020 is a year when I need to be able to find hope, not just in looking back at something that has already happened, but in looking forward to something new.
0: Yeah, that is one of the interesting experiences of 2020 is about looking forward to something new. For the first time in my life, Millions of people all over the world are waiting and hoping for the same thing as we look for the day that we all have access to a COVID vaccine.
2: Yeah, and of course, as the church, that's our job to be waiting and preparing for God's kingdom here on earth together. So I'm looking forward to getting to talk over the next few weeks in this series about what it means to wait and what exactly is this apocalypse that we're waiting for. And Sarah, I hope that this series will be able to lend new purpose and a new reason to hope to this season. As the famous theologian Karl Barth once said, what other time or season can or will the church ever have but Advent?
0: Thanks be to God. Amen.
2: Amen.